Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. How many of you, to be honest, how many of you have ever at any time in your life hunted Easter eggs? Raise your hand. I want to see your hands. Uh, ever. Okay, how many have never, ever? You've never hunted an Easter egg. Okay, you got to pay attention. This is, this is, ah, I don't get this stuff. Alright, so here's the deal. Um, we're not, we're not going to be hunting Easter eggs this morning, but we are going to hunt a couple of passages in the Bible. And so just like it, sometime you've done that. Now maybe you're not used to that because the reality, the reality is, is that uh, we recognize that the church in a service like this, if, according to Jesus, is not just for perfect people. Matter of fact, it's for people that are very imperfect and that we don't have our act together, that's the reason that we sing to the King, because He came because we couldn't get our act together. And He did that what was necessary in order for us to experience the very purpose for which uh, we were born in the first place. So, anyhow, uh, we, we, we're going to look at some passages today, and I want you to turn with, the, with me in those passages. And the first one, I'm going give to you, give you a little heads up on it, is going to be in, found in John th- chapter 3. Now, uh, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's some Bibles in the seat cushion in front of you, and I've even got the page number there uh, for you that's uh, on your outline. Second thing I'm going to ask you to do is utilize that outline. Please grab that outline and utilize it. We're not going to have any prompters up here. You've got four spaces that I'm going to want you to fill out. And so no matter where you are in your journey, if you're here today and you're going, man, I, I'm, I'm just all excited. The reality is there's some people that are very here today that are very giddy. You're just giddy because Easter is so special to you. Not only because of what we're celebrating, the resurrection, the defining moment in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but you just love Easter anyway because that's when you can break out the new you know, pastel colors and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, and maybe you're giddy because you know you get to have to be with your friends or whatever that is, or from family, uh, and whatever it is. You're just giddy. Some of you are giddy. Some of you are here today. And actually, honestly, I know that you're a little bit grumpy. Uh, you're grumpy because you were out late last night or you didn't sleep good last night and uh, you didn't get enough coffee already and uh, somebody twisted your arm into coming. You know, but the fact is, is you're here, so might as well just go ahead and enjoy it, okay? And just participate in what we're doing. Now, there's some of you that are rejoicing. You're rejoicing because you know and you've experienced the grace of God, the grace of Jesus Christ in such a transforming way because you, you could identify with some of that stuff. You know that you've done stuff in your life that is absolutely hideous. And yet, you have felt and experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and He set you free. And so you're just rejoicing today uh, because you know not only that, 
but that you have the assurance of an eternity with Him. Now, others of you are somewhat reluctant. I mean, you're, you're, you're here reluctantly. Maybe, you know, again, you were just uh, kind of, uh, just like uh, tw- arm twisted and you're here and you're a little bit reluctant about what's going on. And that's good. That's okay. Because we're all in different places. Some of you are sincerely seeking. You've been on this journey in your life and you've been just seeking the truth. You've been trying and working and f- like what is true? What is right? What is the meaning of life? What is purpose? And you are sincerely seeking. And I'm so glad that you're here because God has something to say for you, to you today. And He wants to just wrap you up in His presence and His love. Uh, some of you here are skeptical. I mean, and, and you, you acknowledge that. You're very skeptical about the Jesus stuff and the God stuff and all that. Welcome. Welcome. Matter of fact, Jesus, that's what, that's what we heard uh, the folks up here saying. He said, just come to me. No matter where you are, just come to me. You may be weary and tired of all of that and you, you're wanting to find that truth. Uh, about life and about God. So glad you're here. I believe, you know, that you're not here by accident. I really believe that in the bottom of my heart that God knew before you were born that on April 1st, happy birthday, John. Uh-huh. April Fools. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, it is his birthday. Uh, but, uh, you know, that he knew that you would be here on this day uh, sitting right where you're sitting. I don't believe it's an accident that you're here. Now, normally at Easter time, what we do is uh, we take some time to, to look at what Easter means to us. And we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to think about what Easter means to us. Uh, but today, I would like for us to look at it from a little different angle. Today, what I'd like for us to do is to spend at least the latter half of our time thinking about what Easter means to Jesus, the resurrected one. What, what, what does Easter really mean to Jesus? Before we do that, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into your presence. I thank you for every person here. I know that they are loved profoundly by you. Lord, And we come and acknowledge that... Uh, Lord, through our mistakes and through uh, even our self-directed lives at times, even though we have trusted you, uh, that we may not be demonstrating your profound love and your grace. But today, Lord, my heart and my desire is that we would all be sitting at your feet so that you can speak your life-giving truth. Lord, we praise you for your word that is living and active. And we praise you for the message that you bring to us today through your word. Be glorified, we pray. And I pray that your heart would be filled with joy as a result of our response to you. And we make it in this our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. First passage that we're going to look at today as we think about what Easter means to us, and we're going to take a few moments to that, is found in a very familiar passage. You've seen, you've seen this verse on signs and ball games. You've seen it in demonstrations. You've seen this verse all over the world. But it's very simple because even Jesus said, hey, listen, 
even a child, you've got to have the faith of a little child come to that particular point to be able to experience the truth about me. So I want you to read along with me, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Here is the liberating message. This is what Easter means to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. What a powerful message. And, and that is the simple message of Easter and what Easter means to us, that God so loved you, God so loved me, that He sent His Son into the world and that if we just believe in Him, that we can experience life and life eternal. And, and a reminder that He didn't come to condemn us, He came to save us. The resurrection of Jesus is what separates Jesus from all of the other world leaders. As we think about what Easter means for us, because for those of you that were here last year, how many of you were here last year? Let me see. Some of you may remember, we ended with a roll call. Uh, and, and we ended with roll call because here's the deal. The reality is, is that people are with great sincerity are asking, you know, what is true? What is true? What, what religion is the right one? And that is a great question. That is a fair question. Because now today we have a, a veritable supermarket of religions to, to choose from, of belief systems to choose from. You know, it's like the Walmart of religions and people look at the shelves that are absolutely overflowing and, and, and say, which one is right? Which one is true? Because there's so much, there's so much sincerity and there's so many different options. It's a crucial question because on the surface there, there sometimes can seem to be no big difference between being a follower of Jesus Christ and the other religions of the world. Because here's the reality. They have great leaders, so do we. They have written scriptures, so do we. They have miracle stories, so do we. They have high ethical standards, so do we. They have a long, rich history, so do we. So just as somebody that's kind of on the surface looking, they could be excused from assuming that all religions are basically the same. Or you could just even take it have a mixture of it. But there is one fundamental difference, one fact, that sets Christianity apart from every other religious system in the world. And that is if we were to go to the tombs and if corpses could speak and we were to call roll, Mohammed, still here. Moses, here. Buddha, here. Confucius, here. Jesus Christ, Jesus. There's no answer because the tomb is empty. That's what we're celebrating today. Which, you know, people ask which religion is the right one? Go to the one whose founder rose from the dead and who is alive today. That's what Easter means to us. Jesus said on your outline, follow this with me, on John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What this day does is it changes everything. What we're celebrating is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ literally changes everything. 
It changes, you know, even the way that you uh, sign your check. Anybody's still doing checks. You know, when you put the date on that, because time is divided between, you know, B.C. and A.D. It proves that Jesus is the person that he said he was, and he made some outrageous claims. You know, he made the claims, you know, that I am God. He claimed that he would lay his life down and then take it back up again. He made outrageous claims, and as, as many have said, either he is uh, he is liar or he's lunatic or he's Lord. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ says he is the person that he claimed to be. But he also has the power that he said he has because he rose from the dead. He says, I will lay my life down, and three days later I will take it back up again. But it also means for us that he does what he promises that he will do. But the real key here is this. It's, it's been the question that's been asked throughout history about what happens after death. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that there is life after death. And it's there in John 3.16 that God gave us the answer. That God says, I love you so much. And, you, and, and our minds start just whirling around. He said, but before you try to figure all this stuff up, allow me to speak my truth to you. When Jesus was talking to his disciples after they had been with him three years and when he was getting ready to go and he said, guys, I'm about to leave now. It's gonna, I'm going to go back to the Father and I'm going to go be preparing a place for you because I want, I, want, I want you. I created you for a relationship with me for all eternity and, and you know where I'm going and, and you know the way. And then Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. Look at that verse on your outline in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, notice those words, what Jesus, he says, I am. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll point you to the way. He didn't say, you know, I'll teach you some truth. He didn't say that I will show you a way to live. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. He's saying, I am the answer to your search for meaning in life. I am the answer to all your problems and the pains. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am, I am the one that can convey to you the fact that I am greater than whatever is in your past and that I've got a glorious future for you. The answer is not a principle. It's a person. And too often we get locked in down here in our, in our world thinking... Uh, and, 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 and we forget the reality that, that Jesus is a person. And he's not a historical Jesus, but he's alive today. And he says, he is here. He is here. You don't need a religion. You don't need rituals. You don't need rules. You don't need regulations. What we need is a relationship. And that's what he's offered. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus, as he's talking to uh, his followers, he's, he is continuing to, to give these parables and these metaphors in order that people would understand him. And he's, he says, I'm the great shepherd. I'm the great shepherd. And that puts us in the category of sheep because the people of his day, they understood sheep. And he said, well, I'm the great shepherd. I'm the perfect shepherd. And he says, I love you and I will shepherd you and I will keep you and... And, and as my sheep. And then he made this statement in, in 
uh, John 10, 10, he says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life, life that is full and good. What he is acknowledging is, is that in this world, there's going to be, there's going, we, there's going to be theft. And there's going to be stuff that's stolen and there's stuff going to be destroyed. And, and he is acknowledging the fact that there is evil in this world and we all know that. And that's one of the reasons sometimes we struggle with God being a loving God. But he acknowledges here that Satan, his whole purpose is to still kill and destroy, to keep you. He says, but I came, I came, and I have the power to give life life that is full and abundant and good. But this life that Jesus came to bring came at an unimaginable expense. On your outline, this is the first thing you need to fill in. Why did Jesus have to die? You know, that's been a question that's been raised. You know, why did Jesus have to die? You know, why couldn't he just come and teach us some good stuff? Why did he have to die? There's a couple of passages that I want us to look at, and they come from the Apostle Paul, who was radically opposed to the church at one, you know, I mean, to Jesus' message at one time, and then who was transformed because of the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. And he's talking to the followers of Jesus there, and he says this in Colossians 1.21. Look there with me. He says, at one time, you were separated from God. You were enemies in your mind. So you're, some of us recall again, I'm not an enemy against God, you know. But uh, listen, anytime you, we're not for, with, then we're opposed. But he, he, he points out this that we come into this world separated from God, and that's been true ever since the fall in Adam and Eve. And you go, I don't get that, I don't understand that, but like begets like, and so once Adam and Eve fell, and, and after Jesus says, you will surely die if you eat of this, they didn't die physically, they died spiritually. There was that separation. And that's what he's saying here. He said, there was a time when you were separated from God, but now, something different. Look at what he says in chapter 2, uh, Colossians 2, 13 and 14. He says, you were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of the sinful self. But God gave you new life together with Christ. He forgave all our sins. He took away it away and nailed it to the cross. So what he's saying is this reality that when we... When we come, we acknowledge that we're created by God and that we're all created by God and we're all created in the image of God, but that, that doesn't mean that we're all children of God. Why? Because He's not going to force that on you. But He says, I came so that you may have life and that you will be a part of my family and experience my love. And He said, I did what was necessary. Why did Jesus have to die? Because, because of sin. Because we're separated from God. And God is holy and there's no sin in His presence. Somebody had to pay for your sin and my sin and the only one that could pay the debt that we owe is someone who'd never sinned. There's a law in the universe that says, you know, you reap what you sow. If you make, you know, break man's laws, you pay man's penalties. If I, you go out here and you speed... Uh, 
Maybe it's not today, but I'm going to tell you what. They were out yesterday. The popo was out yesterday. And the day before, I, I think we must be running short in Roswell here lately. I mean, they were out. But you break man's law, then you, you pay you know, your man's price. You break God's law, you pay God's penalty. And what is that? The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the good news of Easter. This is why we celebrate. Not because we've got our act together, but because Jesus has already paid for it. Jesus has already paid for it. And sometimes, you know, we're kind of like, oh, I need to be good, be bad. No, no, no. Jesus has already done it. He's already paid for it. Why did Jesus have to die? He died for me and you. But another question is, why did he have to die by crucifixion? Think about that. You know, this is something that the prophets predicted that, you know, this would be the way that Jesus would die, that he would die by crucifixion. But why did the Holy Spirit, why did God direct the writers, even in the Old Testament, to show that Jesus would die in such a gruesome way? I mean, there were definitely other options for blasphemy, which they, Jesus was accusing of. I mean, but he, ne he never did anything. He was all, everything he did on earth was good. But he was accused of blasphemy. Well, what did they do to Stephen when he was accused of blasphemy? They stoned him. So the Jews, they would stone. And the Romans, uh, by and large, most of their executions would just beheading them. Just, you know, just, just cut the head off and be done with it. You know, crucifixions were, were, were put aside for those hideous, you know, real public, horrendous crimes. Why did Jesus die of a crucifixion? The most horrible, the most heinous, the most humiliating form ever invented. Here's my thought. My thought is that the cross shows how horrible and powerful sin really is. It robs us, it separates us from the absolute love of God. It robs us and separates us from the very purpose from which we were born. There's a couple of passages I highlighted there on your uh, start on, on your insert. Isaiah 53 4 through 6 gives a powerful description of Jesus and the price that he paid for us. Uh, also Romans chapter 3, 20 through 26, and we're not going to take time to look at that, but the bottom line is this. It just completely demonstrates time and time again that Jesus, and, and Isaiah, Isaiah says that he took our pain. It said he bore our pain. It starts by talking about our pain before he even talks about our sin. He bore our pain. What Jesus is saying to me and you is this, that the pain or suffering or hardships or disappointments that you've experienced in life, he's saying that will not have the final word in your life. That will not define you in me. I've borne that. Your pain will not have the final word just as pain didn't have the final word with Jesus, did it? No, he was resurrected. It says that he took our punishment and he took our place. So we can have forgiveness. We've got assurance of, of, of not only forgiveness of our sins, but we have an identity of the love of Jesus Christ. When you are profoundly loved, it changes the, the way you live your life. When you know and you receive that. And we've got assurance that God created us as spiritual beings and that we will be with Him for all eternity as we place our faith in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that if you believe. Let's spend the last few minutes thinking about what Easter means to Jesus. 
Now, really, to understand this, I want you to turn over to that passage in John 17. To understand this, I want us to look at, at I want us to look at what Jesus did right before the avalanche of torture and injustice that came his way. I mean, so here's the deal. According to the Bible, it tells us that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And uh, so therefore, Jesus knew what was coming down. Jesus knew what was happening. That's the reason whenever he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was going, Father, you know, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, and he was sweating drops of blood, he says, any other way? Man, can this, can, can we do it? And God says, there's no other way. Then Jesus says, okay, your will. He knew what was coming. He knew, that, he knew that right after that intimate moment with the Father, that he was going to be arrested in the middle of the night. He was going to be slapped. He was going to be pushed around. He was going to be mocked. He was going to, he was going to endure all these mock trials. He was going to be slapped again. A crown of thorns were going to be placed and pushed into his scalp. He was going to be scourged with a large strap that studded with bits of bone and stone and metal that his beard was going to be ripped out. He was going to be beaten again. He was going to be uh, forced to carry his own cross. Nails were going to be driven through his nails, uh, hands and feet. And he was going to be crucified in ultimate humiliation. He knew that was coming. I'm not sure about you, but you know, you know, if I, I'm not sure what I would be doing if I knew that was coming just right down the pike toward me, and I knew that I was God. Ah, oh, not sure, but I, but the very last thing he did before all that came down was he started just praying for those that believed him. He started praying for his disciples. Father, I love them. Oh, I love them. And he's just having this intimate time with the Father. But he just, he didn't just pray for the disciples. What does Easter mean to Jesus? Look, look here with me. John 17. Please follow along with me. Beginning with verse 20. Jesus says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Look now at verse 24. He says, Father, I want you. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you've loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know you have sent me. I have made you known, and listen to this, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I, I myself may be in them. What's Easter mean for Jesus? He said, Lord, I'm thinking about those that are going to be sitting at Cross Point on April 1st, 2018. Look what he says there on your outline. What John 17, 24. This is the Amplified. He says, Father, 
I desire that they also, whom you've given to me as your gift to me, may be with me where I am. God, I want those that you've given me that they will be with me where I am. And I want them to see and experience my glory. I want them to see my magnificence, the splendor, the majesty. I want them to experience the riches of real life. I want want them to know that as children of the King that they will enjoy my riches for all eternity. I want them to see that glory. I want them to experience and taste that glory. I want them to be with me. What does Easter mean to Jesus? It means He gets one more chance to let you know today how much He loves you and how much He longs for you. And He wants you to know Him. And He just wants you to believe Two things Jesus really wants you to know about you. One is that you are unconditionally loved. You are unconditionally loved. Not, I love you if, you know, I love you if you do this, I love you if you do that, you know, if you you help the poor. No, no, no. You are unconditionally loved. I love you, period. And here's the reality. You can't make God stop loving you. No matter, no matter how much no, you resist, no matter what, what you do, you can't make God's love and stop loving you because that's just who He is and that's just who He created you to be. Be loved by Him. You are unconditionally loved. The reason we struggle with that so much is because so many of us have very frequently experienced unconditional love. The truth of the matter is your friends don't love you unconditionally. Your parents didn't always love you unconditionally. But Jesus does. But the second thing he wants you to know, and this is the third thing, you are extremely valuable. You are extremely valuable. Now, what determines somebody's value? Or what is something's value? One, you know, who owns it, you know. You know, if I had a pair of uh, tennis shoes that were sitting, you know, at the thrift store, and then there was one by LeBron James, you might probably pay for a little bit more for the one with LeBron James, you know, than like Mike D's. Really? Those things stink, you know. Because, you know, I know he's cheap and he wears them too long. Okay, whatever the case. One is who owns it. But that's, I don't, we'll talk more about that later some other day. But the other thing as far as it determines value is what's somebody willing to pay for it? So, for example, what's your house worth? What's your house worth? You say, somebody, I ain't got no house. Well, Play with me. Well, probably not as much as you think. Some of you may be more than you think. But I can tell you, even without being a real estate agent, we've got those. Hallelujah. I can tell you exactly how much your house is worth. It's worth whatever anybody's willing to pay for. And not a penny more. Whatever anybody's willing to pay for. How much are you worth? How much are you worth? Look at the cross. Jesus reminding you today, look at the cross. How much are you worth? Whenever Jesus' arms were stretched out and His hands and His feet were nailed to the cross, He says, this much. I'd rather to die for you than to live without you. That's how much you're worth. That's how much He loves you. You are a gift to Him. The reason you exist is so that you could have a relationship with Him and that He could love you. 
But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. What Easter means to Jesus. About two months ago, my sweet wife, mother of our six children, and most of you know we got six, and it's a mess, uh, but they're 22 to 31. But about, and many of you know her heart and, and, and as a mama, but she, she sent out two months ago to all the kids, okay, this date, the third week of June, is the family vacation. Mark it down. Of course, everybody's busy, I mean, and all that kind of thing. Okay, got it, Mom, thanks, all that kind of stuff, you know, and they got life. There's good stuff going on in their lives. There's some stuff, you know, Daniel, get severed ACL going through all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, there's all just life, you know, life's going on. But now it's kind of getting to crunch time. Here it is, April, you know, we're going, all right, now y'all got this down. This is family vacation time. And so, you know, I started calling around the kids because I know how Mama gets because, Happy Mama, Happy Mike, right? And so I'm calling around to the kids and I'm checking. I'm saying, all right, you've got these days. This is specifically, you know, not generally, specifically when we're talking about, you know, June 18th through the 23rd, okay, or whatever it is. You know, this is it. And so I'm checking with everybody, check, check, check. And then, and then Michael calls me. Daddy. He's a man. My oldest son, Michael, is a softball coach. They don't get paid a whole lot, especially in Oklahoma. Trying to get him back here. So he coaches softball, and, and he goes, Daddy, man, June is heyday for coaches. This is when you do camps. This is when I make my money. He said, Daddy, I have got a camp. I can't. I promise this guy, you know, I do it every year, and it's right smack dab in the middle of it. That's a couple of grand. I mean, I'm, and I'm going, oh, man, Michael, I said, I understand, I understand. You know, I said, listen, I don't want, we want you there and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we can lose. So Felicia was going to work. She was driving to the airport. And so I called her and I said, hey, it looks like it's working out, you know, for everybody. I said, but Michael's got a conflict. And immediately there was just frustration and even a sense of anger. She said, I sent that out. I told them. I told them two months ago. I said, baby, come on, come on. I said, this is, I mean, this is when he makes his money. She said, I'll pay for it. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're already paying for the vacation. Are you kidding me? God. But I mean, she would pay for it. Do I have anybody I can say amen? We got a few. I'm going, oh my gosh. She says, I've been battling this my whole life, you know. I'll pay for it. No, no, okay. whoa, 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 whoa. I said, think about it. Like, our kids are a different season of their life. Come on, really think about it. You know, they're growing up, they've got stuff to do, and then their families and their significant others, you know, but come on. Five out of six ain't bad. I mean, come on. <laughs> And there was dead silence on the phone. So what? She, she, she said, I want all of them. 
Vamos no. Take that mother's heart and multiply it times infinity. Now you know what Easter means to Jesus. He said, I want all of them. He was about to be brutally beaten and crucified, and yet he said, God, Father, I'm praying that those who will believe in me will be with me. I want all of them. Hmm. And that means that no matter what struggles or doubt or skepticism or whatever may be in our lives, Jesus says, hey, you know what? You can come and experience my love even with that. We can deal with all those questions, but can you come face to face with the reality that I gave my life for you and not only did I die and did I, not only did I accomplish the forgiveness of your sins, but I rose again so that I can give my life and place my life in you. That's God's economy. That's what we're created for. I want all of them. And the truth of the matter is, is here's what's happening today. See, he, he's here. Because what have we been saying all day? What have we been singing about all day? He's alive. And that passage in Revelations 3.20 is true about what's going on in some of your hearts right now. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in. I will come in. Last, the last little thing you got to fill out is this. Whether you believe it or not, whether you feel like, you, you know, when you were hunting Easter eggs, you were going to find the most or find the golden egg. But I, here's what I, I implore and beg you to do because this is the heart of Jesus. Father, I desire that. Would you put your name there? He was saying, Father, I desire that Mike might be with me. That's what he prayed before. He did it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him. Would you pray with me? Some of you here today, you you've believed in Christ. I mean, you've believed in Jesus. I mean, you, you believe all that story, but you you believe that He came and that He lived and He died and He rose again. You believe all that, but you've never you've never truly come and ask him into your life. Instead, you tried to do some rules or rituals or be good or something, and, and you've not acknowledged what he did for you on the cross. And today, he's knocking on your heart's door. He said, are you tired of religion? Are you tired of trying to live up to me? And, and, and are you tired of that? Are you, 
come to me. Let me wrap my loving arms around you. There are others of you here today, and I mean, it's been a relentless search on your part, and you have, have been seeking and seeking, and today Jesus has just come to you, and he's knocked on your heart's door, and you go, I don't understand it all. But today he's offering you his love, and it will transform your life. He turns crucifixions into resurrections, and that's what he's wanting to do in your heart today. And if you would like to, to experience truth, if you'd like to experience the power to not only live now, but have the assurance of eternity, he just simply says, believe. Believe that I am who I say I am and that I will do what I say I will do. Just believe. So I'm going to invite you to just pray a simple prayer with me, something in these words. Because that's what he says do. He says, just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So would you just pray a little prayer just like this? Dear Jesus, you've promised that if I believe in you, then everything that I've done wrong will be forgiven. You promise that I'll learn my purpose for life, that you'll accept me into your eternal home in heaven one day when my life is done here. Jesus, I confess my sin and I believe that you are God, my Savior. And right now I ask that you come in. And today I'm turning my life over to you. I want to commit my life to you. And I want to thank you that because of that, that you received me into your heavenly family and that right now that you get a new gift. My old messed up life But you say that I make you rich. And I'm just going to agree with you on that one, Lord. But I come asking in that as humbly as I know how in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to close the, uh, the service today, uh, I'm going to ask uh, our ushers to come forward, our worship team to come forward. And... Um, it's an opportunity for us to, to continue in a time of reflection and worship. And what I want to encourage you to do is, is, listen, I know you're hungry, but you're not hangry yet, okay? And if you went out, you know, if you went out there, you, you'd have to wait in line, and it is, this is going, let me tell you, you want to watch almost a miracle, it's almost what, how quick this thing can transition, because we, we're good about this food stuff. But I want you to just use these last few minutes to continue to reflect on the, um, the power of, the, of this day and this moment. Uh, and I'm, I'm asking you to do a couple of things. One, if you prayed that prayer, or if you want to understand more 
about that and not play, you know, games with God and just sincerely follow through to seek truth, I want you to let, let me know here. If you prayed that prayer, just say, hey, I, I, I would like to receive Jesus as my Savior. If, that's, if you prayed that prayer, just put that on there. Uh, if, you don't, if you still want to talk about it, say, I'd like to talk to a pastor. If there's something on there that doesn't express what's going on in your heart, use this. Don't, don't pass over this. Nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. Uh, if you're a guest, uh, again, uh, don't feel any obligation as we are uh, taking this uh, offering. Uh, this is an opportunity for us as member and regular tenders uh, to give because this is the church that he's brought us to. And so allow him, us to just worship him through our declaration of our dependence and our gratefulness for the many blessings that he's given us. But most of all, what I want you to do is to reflect on the words of the song that will be closing. Just hang in there. We're good. The, the, you know, food's coming. Hang in there. But I, the bottom line is this. Jesus. It's a beautiful name. Jesus. Powerful name. Jesus. Resurrected King. He loves you eternally. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask your blessings on this offering and we just ask that you, you would, um, or even now, just give us um, the awareness of, of the response that you're, you're inviting us to make. Thank you. Thank you for your awesome love and grace. Thank you for this opportunity to celebrate you today uh, through being a doer of your word responding to your invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.